But let's talk about another uh, important issue that is uh, municipal and and, uh, provincial as well, and that, of course, is housing, specifically short-term rentals like Airbnb. Now, we learned recently there are still about 120 or so Airbnb still running in Vancouver that are not following the rules. Many Airbnb operators are still listing their properties, even though they have an expired business license and despite requests from the city to remove um, and shut down those respective businesses. In fact, City Council Lenny Zhao uh, has been demanding greater compliance from short-term rentals. Now, there are many places, many now many blame, sorry, uh, Airbnb's ravenous appetite for residential units for exacerbating the housing crisis. What to do with Airbnb in this specific situation as well? Joining me now to discuss the issue is Tom Davidoff, Director of UBC's Centre for Urban Economics and Real Estate. Tom, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about the specific issue. We spent a lot of time talking about Airbnb last year. Uh, There was hope that uh, Airbnb would cooperate with the city. Uh, Lenny Zhao said there's about 120 or so of these Airbnbs still running in Vancouver, even though their licenses have been rescinded. How do you deal with these people in your mind? Right. Well, the most important thing, I think, is that we already have the speculation and empty homes taxes. So, you know, the big issue here is we want real estate in Vancouver primarily to be used uh, to house people who live and work here or have retired here. You know, it's a great place to vacation and, you know, it's nice to have a tourism industry, but first priority uh, housing for residents. So we've got the empty homes tax and the speculation tax, which say, should say if you're doing full-time Airbnb, you don't have a regular tenant, you got to pay a tax and a pretty significant one. And so that should work. You know, the province is now double bagging and saying you're just plain not allowed uh, to do short-term rental unless it is your primary residence or a um, auxiliary unit in your primary residence. You can go farther and tax short-term rental, which I think would would be a smart thing to do. Uh, And uh, then you can make sure, you know, and push Airbnb to be compliant with the bans and regulations. As I've mentioned elsewhere, a challenge uh, with putting the compliance on the short-term rental operators themselves is their incentive is to do kind of a lousy job because they get paid for transactions, not for policing. Mm-hmm. So, but and so in this case, is it also a case that the city should just clamp down, send in uh, employees, and have the, have these uh, units shut down? Beyond the broader question, I think that you've addressed here, but in regards to these specific 120, just get in there, bylaw officers, and shut it down. You know, possibly. I will say, if the real number is 120, then I would say hats off to the city and province for having taken care of things with the speculation and empty homes tax, because, you know, Airbnb uh, pays so much more uh, in a month than a paying tenant, probably even including, you know, the the damages from, you know, unfortunate users. But uh, so 120 is really not a huge number, considering what a strong financial incentive there is to do this. So if the real number is 120, I would just say, take a bow, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, is there any positive for Airbnb for short-term rentals? I'm just trying. You've made a very good point here in regards to the city should be for its residents before you worry about tourism. Is there any positive, net positive, in regards to these short-term rentals? Absolutely. Now, if they're used as you know, when you go on vacation. You know, I've got three cats, one of whom is special needs. So when and if I ever leave uh, town, uh, you know, which I don't love to do, 
uh, pretty tough for me to rent the place out. But, you know, if, if I like to vacation more, didn't have cats and really needed to finance my vacation, uh, the ability for me to use my primary residence to earn income while I'm away, that's great, A, for me, but it's also good for the economy, good to encourage tourism, right? We know when Taylor Swift comes to town, it's going to be really hard for uh, people to find a place. So when we have surges in travel, it's very good to find a way to accommodate people who want to come here and, you know, having a kitchen and all that, very attractive for families on vacation. Mm-hmm. Now, there have been some, uh, there's been exe- uh, exe- exceptions to the Airbnb legislation, and including Whistler and the Gulf Islands. Other communities like Parksville have also raised concerns. Do you think it needs to stay the way, the way it is in regards to some exceptions if, if they're resort communities, but broadly it should be across the board with it being your primary residence for this to work? You know, uh, as I say, there's a bit of a a tension. I sort of think the empty homes tax and speculation tax should be enough, and and a limitation on short-term rentals per se is sort of double bagging. Mm -hmm. And my second favorite would probably be a tax. You know, you can a high enough tax is the same thing as a ban. And, you know, look, if people want to pay enough money to, for the right to Airbnb, there's there's a price where they are happy, possibly, and the city makes more money than they lose uh, in lost housing units. But, you know, the, the, the blanket ban on non-primary residents, given the severity of the housing crisis, uh, I don't think it's a crazy judgment to do that either, up to, as you mentioned, these resort areas that, you know, obviously thrive on tourism and you don't want to shut it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think Airbnb and short-term rental companies in general are exacerbating the problem in regards to the housing crisis? Well, first of all, I wouldn't blame the you know anybody for taking advantage of financial uh, incentives. There's there's a tremendous demand for Airbnb. I, I don't fault them for providing that service. But yeah, look, I mean, British Columbia and particularly Greater Vancouver is a really nice place to have money, and that means it can be a challenging place to make money. Right. So uh, we are always going to be challenged by demand for rich people from all over the place, really wanting to spend a lot of time here and absorbing up the housing stock, making things tough uh, for people who just uh, work ordinary jobs here and and, and have really hard time paying. So putting a thumb on the scale for the workforce, both politically and and, and maybe rationally, uh, the right way to go. You raised the issue and been talking about the speculation tax and the the empty homes tax. Um, You comment a lot on this issue. You know this issue really well. You're an expert. What impact do you think, if any, uh, the flipping tax will have? I'm very curious your thoughts on this. Yeah, the flipping tax, I was just sort of looking at, you know, Jens von Bergman has put out some numbers. Uh, the uh, the BC Realtors have put out some numbers. My best guess is you have something like 2% of all homes every year get flipped. Something like 1% to 2% of all, all homes get flipped. Mm-hmm. This tax will probably apply to something like half of those flips because, you know, divorces, deaths, people who add basement suites are, are, are some part of the flips. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're looking at 1% of the housing stock every year subject to a tax, you know. So maybe you're adding a half percent to the stock you know, of homes that are available for people, something like that, I, you know, that that doesn't hurt. But I, I don't think you're buying yourself affordability. I think we'd be deceiving ourselves to say, that's it. OK, that's the magic uh, button. And uh, now we're all good for affordability. And one final, uh, the the other issue has been BC Builds. I just, uh, I've had uh, the housing minister on the show. Uh, the prime minister was on the show uh, yesterday uh, promising another $2 billion, uh, even though the program was only a week old. He's encouraging other uh, provinces to introduce similar types of legislation. 
What do you think of the BC Builds program? I, I can't see that on its own, obviously, having a massive impact, but do you think it helps? Yeah, I think my understanding of the program is that it facilitates uh, turning publicly or socially, you know, nonprofit owned land and turning it into rental housing. That's great. You know, I think they're trying to get approvals faster, getting municipalities to commit to to speeding uh, approvals up for this, and they make public financing available to create rental housing. That's fantastic. Some of the units uh, are going to wind up being below market. That that that's fine. That's a way to help people who can't pay market rents. So I certainly don't see that harming affordability, and it's a way to accelerate getting land into use as housing, which is terrific. Is it, again, you know, does that mean, okay, mission accomplished? Absolutely not, but it's a necessary step on the way. Tom, as always, thank you for your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much.